Hello, welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on how to take really good care of yourself and others. I'm Mariette Sneeman, and today we're talking about how to give your baby the best pregnancy and birth experience possible. Please note that this episode focuses on pregnancy and birth and is meant for adult listeners. My guest is Dr. Melody de Jager, developmental specialist from Johannesburg. Welcome, Melody. Thank you, Mariette. Good morning. So nice to have you here. And as usual, at the end of our discussion, you're going to give us your three best tips on motherhood. And then it will be fun question time. Okay. Melody, today we're talking about a blog called The Art of Co-Creating. Could you tell us what it is? The Art of Co-Creating is, has um, no, transformed into a blog. It started off as a book. And then a certain very wise woman called Mariette Sneeman, <laughs> encouraged us to consider um, turning it into a blog. We, because it's a, a, it's a difficult topic. You know, motherhood is not simple. Um, life as a woman is not simple. I'm sure life as a man is not simple either, but I don't know what that's like. But So it's a, it's a difficult topic, and it is... It's a very emotive topic, and Marit's suggestion was, well, your suggestion was, that we break it down into bite sizes, so one can really journey. Journey irrespective of your age, whether you journeying back because you're a granny now or you're a mother of adult children. And you know, when, you, when you're pregnant and when you're a young mother, very often you don't think about being pregnant or think about being a mother to a toddler or a young child. You just do it. And sometimes it's nice to reflect. And I was hoping, if I'm perfectly honest, um, if there was the chance that I would not see my own daughter and my daughters-in-law as pregnant mommies, this was for them. Well, since you have got quite a few grandchildren, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't even, not one of them read the book. <laughs> yeah, right. There's seven grandchildren under the age of six. <laughs> oh. well, I can't think of anyone who would be a more fun granny than you. <laughs> no, it is fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Melody, as you said, we worked together on the project. You wrote the book, and then you and I and your daughter, Cosette Lopscher. You can quickly tell us what she focuses on. Well, she, she's not really a graphic designer, but she has, she has journeyed into that role. So she did the, the um, blog itself and its look and feel. So she did the, the pretty Mm. Mariette and I did the words and Cosette did the visuals. Yes. And I remember at the, at the beginning of, of our journey together, I asked you, what breaks your heart about the world? And now I'm going to cry. Um, the lack of mothering. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, there is this amazing man in the UK who's a French obstetrician, Michel Houdin, 
And he says mother love is the prototype for all kinds of love, whether that's um, love of nature, love of inanimate objects, people, siblings, love. Um, mother love is the prototype. And during pregnancy and specifically the birthing process, it seems like there's a switch that is that's flicked in a baby's brain whether it's either if it's a positive experience for the baby during the birth and they get to bond with mom very soon after and they're not separated from mom and it's a respectful birth that there's a, a, a switch that flicks in the baby's brain that says i'm not on my own somebody's got my back but if it is if it's a a challenging pregnancy, a difficult birth, and if there's a lot of intervention and a lot of observation and there's a lot of conditions surrounding birth, that's not respectful. And sometimes it is because there's a medical emergency, which obviously takes priority, but very often then a baby feels rejected because they're separated from mom. Remember that baby's universe the mom's body is their universe. And if they lose out on that, they lose out on their universe and their sense of safety and stability and security and comfort and nourishment and uterines and all of that. So then the other um, switch is often flicked, which says you're on, my, you're on your own. I'm on my own. I'll have to fight. I'll have to fight to get anywhere because I'm on my own. And the lack of mothering very often for, for many, many reasons. Oh, life is tough. People work, lots of pressure. But too often babies are just seen in one or two ways, either in poverty-stricken areas as a means to earn income because they get social grants, or in, in other parts of, this, of society, they are item on a checklist got the condo, got the cars, got the dog, got the man, now it's the item on the checklist, it's time for a baby. And somewhere along the line, that baby is not an object that sits stay. <laughs> and, and that lack of mothering, I think is, and there's a lot of research that, that backs up what I'm saying now, is why there's such an escalation in violence and hatred and division and everything that's not love in this world, which goes hand in hand with disrespect for different cultures, for different genders, for the earth. Yeah. Yeah. So what you did from my point of view is that you wrote this book uh, in a very empathetic manner because you chose Zani <laughs> The, yeah, the, the main character in the book, uh, who had also not had, well, perfect mothering as she grew up and she wanted to be a mother. Can you tell us a little more about Zani? So Zani reminded me of what I see in many young women these days. Close to neurotic, researchers of note with notebooks or... Um, notes on phone or whatever, compulsive list makers with high um, anxiety levels because everything has to be perfect, you know. And because Zani um, wasn't, her mom was more focused on herself and her own appearance 
and how she can could ensnow the next man that could look after her mom. Zani was neglected and she didn't have a decent role model as a mother. So if you don't have a role model as a mother, how do you know how to mother? Well, it's nature takes care of it if we allow nature to do that. But in the in the olden days or in different cultures where there's an extended family, where young women get the opportunity to to see what it means like to be a mother, a young mother, and also an older mother. So Zani is neurotic, um, compulsive, obsessive compulsive list maker, but with an absolute ability to choose the right man. Yeah, yeah. And I can't resist, I must mention here, that on the blog, uh, when, when Jake is described, uh, it says, Jake's buns caught Zani's eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a purely, it's pure fiction. It was literally written. Um, first, I started writing it in Cradle of Mankind. And it's fascinating. I didn't write the story. The story came to me. I was writing a manual. And all of a sudden, I let my colleague know, sorry, manual is not happening because the story found my head. <laughs> and it was ended off. I wrote the last bit on the skeleton coast in Spain. Mm, that sounds so adventurous. So we've got Zani and she's got this good man that she found who also has to be cajoled into fatherhood. And then there are two mentors. Can you talk about the two mentors she finds, um, Sky and V? V. V, she found, V is um, um, a coffee shop owner, but she doesn't have children of her own. And I just need to explain something. I wrote the book about womanhood and the typical things that women may experience of which obviously my, my main focus was motherhood. And V that didn't ever manage to, to fall pregnant, so she did, but she lost, she um, miscarried quite a few times. And that gave V the opportunity to talk a little bit about the agony of, of um, miscarrying. But V is a mother, and there's a beautiful line where it says you don't have to be a mother you don't have to be. To, you have a child to be, be a, a mother. mother. Yes, it's part of womanhood to be a mother, even if you don't have a child yourself. So V is just, she's, she's the old-fashioned mother. You know that kind of mother where you just disappear into her body like a very good down duvet? Well, V is like that. And she can cook and she can bake and she, so she's always ready to listen. She's ready to listen and not necessarily to guide, but ready to just to listen. To give. She's a soft place in a hard life. It's, mm -hmm. I remember we wrote that somewhere. Yes. And the other one is Sky. They're probably the, the North Pole and the South Pole because Sky is a very feisty earth child. Oh, call it hippie if you really want to, but she's not really a hippie. She's a highly intelligent girl, but with an absolute passion for nature and for respect of women, nature, and then obviously childbirth as well. So um, they both, V, in her own way, was the mother that Zani didn't have, because we can adopt mothers. And Sky gave Zani the opposite perspective to Zani's own, which was the very common perspective for young girls, which is there's a hospital route and there's a gynae and there's 
um, you know, there's a very predetermined route. How do you birth a baby? Okay, and it's a very managed process. And you must get it right. And you must get it right. Yeah. And you must tick every box. And you must count every move. And then Sky is the exact opposite. She's the exact opposite who believes in the innate wisdom of women and a woman's body to know how to give birth. Because her body was designed to give birth. And Sky introduced the concept of pain. And how pain is such a marvelous teacher, not something that we have to fear, because it's actually a guide that enables us to learn a couple of lessons. Yeah, so we've touched on many themes here. And if someone feels overwhelmed just by listening to it, it's actually very easy to read the blog. <laughs> because the blog, as Melody said, comes in bite-sized pieces. And it starts with, it starts with Zani, and I love the way it's written because it's just, you must go and read for yourself. It's, it's just a very believable character. And uh, yeah, she talks about everything that, that girls talk about, you know, their, their ability to go shopping when they don't really have the money or that sort of thing. But it starts, as you said, with Zani, who thought she had everything else, and now she must get the next thing on the list, which is a baby. And then... It goes from there. Yes. And the other thing uh, you must tell the listeners about is that it's not just a story. There's a lot of scientific no, no. background in, in the blog. <laughs> it, it, that was the, the difficult part because I come from a scientific background myself. So the signs are important because it's that one thing, I hope, that we can trust and give us, you know, it's like a compass. It, it just gives us some guidance. It doesn't tell us what to do exactly, but it gives us guidance. And we need that. And, and Zani was superb because she was a hounder of scientific information. So that comes in with her lists. Um, and it's important because we need to know what science says before we can make up our own mind. So it's science on the one side, it's instinct on the other side. And there are you, a wise woman, and all women are wise, in the middle that needs to navigate yourself between science and um, instinct. But I must say that you put a lot of your own um, developmental scientific work into the book. In other words, I learned about things like the primitive reflexes and how they work. And, and uh, if you know what they are and, and how they are going to affect your child, for instance, if the child goes to school and you are just aware of how it works. It's On the one hand, it's so comforting because you know what's going on. And on the other hand, then, then you can do things like, I remember that, that it's part of what a woman naturally does if she's happy with being pregnant, that she touches her tummy. Yes. Yes. And then if, if maybe you have a challenging time, you can tell yourself to touch your tummy. And tell us what happens when, when a pregnant mother touches oh, her tummy. When they, they've recorded from five weeks after conception, if you, if you touch your, your abdomen, your tummy, you're going to touch the uterus. But in that area, the little embryo gravitates towards your hand. It's actually, they sense it as a social acceptance. And then obviously the opposite is true as well. So if you don't want to be pregnant and you don't touch, 
well, they can experience it differently. But as you said, Mariette, the marvelous thing is, even if it's going, if it's a tough journey, that's your belly. They'll know. They know you're here. They're not alone. And, and they loved and they accepted even before, way before they're born. So it's actually, uh, in the introduction, I went a little bit deep because I tend to spend a little bit of time in my life in deep. I like deep. Mm. <laughs> but it's actually these deep moments in the book, but it's actually not, it's not heavy. Um, it's, it's fun because um, Zani is... Cosette, my daughter, when she read um, the manuscript the first time, she said she irritated the living daylights out of her <laughs> because she said she's so neurotic. And I said, just hang with Zani, just hang with Zani. Because Zani is, is our journey. It's the journey of, of womanhood, of doubting yourself, thinking you're never good enough and all of that stuff. And to actually just let go of what's not really important and hang on to your own evidence instead of what other people say about you as a woman, whether you're good enough or not. You decide for yourself. Mm, That's mm, fun. Mm. And Jake is an absolute dish. He is. <laughs> <laughs> and then one thing I forgot to mention is that uh, in the beginning of the blog, you read a lot about conceptual care. Now, I, for one, have two children, but I never knew uh, preconceptual care existed. Sorry, preconceptual care. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the wisdom of hindsight, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> now about uh, preconceptual care before I conceived three children either, you know. So, but but it's very interesting because it takes a woman, a girl, a baby girl is born with all the the eggs that she would release during her lifetime. But a man, on the other hand, keeps on making these little, what I call suckers, called sperm, <laughs> till they in their 90s, now I just don't know of any research with, um, that a man um, in his hundreds still produce <laughs> sperm, but they definitely do till they're 90-odd years old, and it takes 104 days to develop sperm. So I just thought it's a rather good idea for both mum and, and man to, um, to look after their own physical body. So that baby is in mom's body, is received in a very healthy body because it will impact on the quality and the outcome of the pregnancy. But a man, you see, you'll have to play this bit to the man in your life because they have 104 days if they've got healthy sperm, obviously, but 104 days to, to determine the quality of the sperm that they're going to donate, their 50% contribution to the genetic code of your baby. <laughs> Man, and it is marvelous if, if you just read what is, it's not huge stuff, but can you imagine if one consciously starts loving your baby before you fall pregnant, because loving your baby starts with respecting the whole conception process and the quality that you contribute to the outcome that's going to be a cute little baby. Mm -hmm. So this blog is available um, at www.theartofcocreatingoneword.co.za. And Melody, now your best, three best tips for motherhood, please. 
be yourself. Don't be anybody else. Don't copy anybody else. Don't be a mother like. Be a mother. You'll do it just dandy. The other thing is, um, other than the blog, don't read too much. (laughs) (laughs) Rather read your baby and read your own pregnancy because babies talk to us, but we often miss it because we read Google or books and then we want the pregnancy that's in the book and we want the child that's in a book. Mm. Derek Jackson, um, a marvelous educational psychologist, once said every baby is born a twin because they're the baby, who they are, and they're the mom and the dad's idea of what the baby should be like. And I think that's the greatest disfavor you can do a child is to treat them like they should be and not mm. who they are. Mm. So you can't to yourself read your baby and then the last thing is just have fun just have fun make sure that you talk to your baby that you see your baby Um, make sure that you don't buy a lot men love me for this buy less sit more on floor and play and just observe sometimes you don't have to lead they'll lead you Mm -hmm. so kick off your shoes and just just be you'll be an amazing mother And if you're not going to have another baby, I'm sure you were an amazing, and still are an amazing mother, your own flavor, your own way. Oh, yeah. I can only say amen. And uh, Melody, now your fun question. I know that you absolutely adore human babies, but let's put them aside. And if you think of all the baby animals on earth, if you didn't have to consider any practicalities. Which baby animal would you like to play with every day? Cook! Mariette, what a question that I have never considered. Wow! It would be something that's going to be enormous later, so I can only play with it while they're little. No practicalities involved. Oh, okay, thank you very much. Oh, it will have to be cuddly. A koala bear comes to mind. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why. I saw a tiny little mouse this morning, and I read many mouse stories when I was a little girl with little mouse families. And it looked like the cutest thing, but I grill when I think of mouse, so I'll have to go for koala. Okay, you'll take a koala. And can I ask you a question, Marie? Have you got one moment as a mother, because you're a mother of two children, one of the many moments as a mother that stand out that had you in stitches like you thought, no, this can't be happening? Hmm. I think... Not really in stitches, but in awe. That I can think of. Okay. And that is, both my children are into music and they both compose. And I must say, when I listen to what they compose, then I get that feeling of, this can't be happening. These people didn't come from my body. No, no. <laughs> in fact, I've often said, I don't know where they come from, but oh. I, sh- I should be careful to whom I say yeah. that. <laughs> Thank you, Melody. Thank you very much. And uh, if you are listening and found this helpful, please share the, the episode with someone that you care for.
It would mean a lot to me if you would rate and review Calm, Clear and Helpful where you download your podcasts. Please subscribe to the series if you don't want to miss the bonus episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, Mariette Sneeman, and the music is by Matt-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.